All right, Amy, thanks for sharing. I love when you were singing that song. You know, it says he's running after. You know why he's having to run after us? Because we're running away. Because we're not used to something good happening. We're used to like running from things because we don't want to get in trouble or something's wrong or something's bad. Amen? But I think as believers, we need to be bold and we need to have an expectation. We need to we need to believe that we deserve the spirit. We need to de- believe that we deserve sobriety. We need to believe that we deserve love. Amen? Amen? And last week I was talking about revival. And who's ready for revival? Amen. Amen. So I wanted to look up the word revival. And it's, sometimes you, uh, words are so much simpler. Uh, so I looked up revival. It just says an improvement in the condition or strength of something. Amen. Uh, James was telling me this morning, I thought it was funny, uh, because the bridge guy saw Jesus Revolution uh, last night. If you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend it. And he said, did you, and it was funny, did you know, Pastor Mike, that the Calvary movement was started by hippies? Gosh, no, I never heard of that. Yeah, so it, it was cute. I'm like, oh, yes. I said, yes, James, but it's going to be continued on. The revolution is going to be continued on, I believe, by the addicts in this country. Amen. You know, Because we are that generation like the hippies that were lost in searching and promised something and there was nothing. And so they turned to drugs. They turned to acid. And they, they turned to free love and music or whatever it was. And I believe in this period of time they're in right now, we are lost more than ever. Our country's in peril. We have confusion about everything that we're doing. We're turning to drugs, and they're killing us. Like I said, COVID killed the, the, uh, the elderly and the infirm, and addiction is killing the young and the, and the best that we have right now. It's just taking us out. And I think that we need to be bold, and we need to hit back, We need to strike back. We need to be bold in our faith. And we need to have an expectation. Amen? Amen. Amen. So tonight we are going to be, because we're getting into Romans, and I want to talk a little bit about choice, about our choice and decisions we make. And Austin suggested or recommended that I teach through the prodigal son. And so interestingly enough, as I was sitting at my desk thinking about the prodigal son, I thought about myself, and I thought, Gosh, I was the wayward son, right? And so if I'm sitting at my desk early in the morning thinking about the wayward son, I, I thought, well, let me, let me look up prodigal. Interestingly, prodigal, the, the definition of prodigal means spending money or resources recklessly, wastefully, or extravagantly. Anybody ever done that? I mean, when in your econ class did you find out that spending like like 80 grand on dope was a good idea, right? Selling 20, whatever, you know? I mean, I think we all have million-dollar arms, right? I shot enough dope in my arm to buy three houses. So why did I ever think that was a good idea? So it was wasteful. And then I looked up wayward. It says difficult to control or predict because of unusual or perverse behavior. Amen, all by myself. Because everything about my behavior was unusual and perverse in the way that I thought. I thought it was more important for me to get my fix than anybody else to get what they needed. And believe you me, that is, a, that is not only sinful, that's perverse, but that's where the enemy hits us, right? 
The enemy is hitting us, and we're running, and the spirit is chasing, right? And the more the enemy can keep us on the run, finally, we just, we give up. We give up because we have no hope. And as we look at this story today, and it was funny, sitting at my desk this morning, I like music, right? I, I love music. I like old school music. And I think you can all guess what I was thinking when I was looking up the word wayward, right? You're right. Carry on my wayward son. So I actually downloaded the lyrics, and I was amazed at the lyrics. Let me share a few of them with you. It says, carry on my, carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. You know, lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. So there's two ways of looking at that. There's two kinds of done. There's I am done with this life. I am so over this life. I am so sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I gave my life to Christ. And I believe that scripture that says, come all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right? Or obviously, this could also mean the ultimate rest. It could mean that we've taken things a little too far, like we can tend to do, and we can end up losing our life. We will be having a celebration of life here on Saturday for that very reason, you know? But I like the word done. And it goes on to say, carry on, you will always remember. Carry on, nothing equals the splendor. Now your life's no longer empty, so heaven waits for you. I was amazed because I have, like you, in my car or in the shower, sang that song, you know, when we're playing rock band, you know. When you close your eyes in your car, when you're, car, yeah, when you're driving, yeah. But I, we've all closed our eyes and dreamt of stepping out on that stage, you know, packed auditorium, you know, that just playing that first lick, right? And just the crowd scream, and yeah, you know, all the women want you, or the men want you, or, you know, we've all had, or wait a minute, if I'm the only one, I'm going to feel really stupid, right? But I know there are others of us here that have been through that thought. But I've never heard that in the song. I've, I've never heard that. And I was like, wow, I'm really surprised that's in there. Because as I read that and I think about how my life was wayward, and it wasn't until I confessed faith in Christ that I found rest, that I was able to lay my, literal, literally lay my weary head to rest. And I didn't have to cry anymore. I didn't have to worry anymore. I didn't have to stress anymore. I could be honest and open and say, hey, this is who I am. And I can be accepted for the first time in my life. And it felt it felt good. It felt awesome. It's like I'm in this room full of like really different people and I'm accepted. But you know what? That's the love of Jesus, right? The interesting thing is a trap house brings together a group of people that would never really have anything to do with one another. You know what I mean? I mean, you're, you think about it, you're in, a, you're in a dope house, a trap house, whatever you want to call it. You're in there, I mean, I was in with, with ex-cops, with lawyers, with probation officers down in Southern California. We would never be hanging out if we weren't in a dope house, right? If you think about it, the church is a lot like that, you know? We are, and it is, right? And the beauty about us, and let's be proud of this, the beauty about us is, 
as, as addicts and convicts or whoever we were, being able to come into this church and live the book of Acts is phenomenal because it gives the believers the opportunity to see God work in lives that they may never see. Because if you're raised in a church and you are always a believer, then it doesn't seem like any different. It's like if you have a puppy and you every day you see this puppy and then a buddy comes after after about a month and goes, holy cow, man, that dog has gotten huge. And you're like, it doesn't look any bigger to you. But when a believer gets to come in here and they get to see a bridge guy or a bridge girl or whomever, it doesn't even have to be a bridge, it can be anybody, coming off the streets, strung out, tore up, and change dramatically and stand in the church and raise their hands in praise and worship and watch them develop as a believer, it's encouraging, isn't it? And that's part of the beauty, I think, that the recovery programs that Calvary supports bring to this congregation, and they embrace it. They, they love it because they get to see the work of Jesus lived out in somebody's life on a daily basis. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost, right? He came to save the world not to be saved, you know what I mean? He came for others, not for himself, and I think as we start to have that attitude ourselves, I think we ourselves begin to grow, don't we? All right, so let's get to our story here. There we go. Did you hand it to me on the right page, Austin, and I turned it? Sorry. Here we go. And he said, who is he? Jesus. Right? So Jesus said, so I love this story. And there was a man who had two sons, and the younger said to his father, give me my share of the property. I mean, there's a problem already. Think about it. This kid is just like, has an expectation that's just, you know, we know that in that, in that time that way different than now, families believed in saving to give something to their kids, right? I think the society is so different right now. People figure if you make it to 65 with 10 bucks in the bank, you, you're doing all right. You know, I know that a lot of people from that gen, older generations like Pastor Jeff um, shared with me, um, he was shocked. He was absolutely shocked how much his parents left for him because he always thought of them as poor. Like they didn't have any money to be extravagant with. Well, they didn't because he was saving the money for them because his dad was a, was a pastor and his dad believed what the Bible said about saving and leaving for those to care for them. So this kid... A lot of nerve, right? He says, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And his dad did. What it says, he said that he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey to a far country. Isn't that kind of what we would do? Give me what's mine. 
I'm going to hit the road, and I'm going to go party. You know, I'm going to party like it's 1999, right? Because I think we can get into that mindset is, hey, I want to live it a little bit. I'm going to take what's mine, what's rightfully mine, which is, takes a lot of nerve. You should be blessed that you get anything, amen? But this, this guy, he's got some issues. They're going to be worked out pretty soon. Um, that he had taken a journey to a far country, and there he squandered. Has anybody ever squandered? Anybody in here ever squandered what they had? Right? One, there we go. One, there you go. Me and you. We are the only two that squandered. Amen. I squandered everything I had. I did. I mean, if we think about it, it was so, it was so, it was so funny because Michelle and I, we, we bought a new car. And then we uh, got up one morning and we, we called the police because we thought somebody stole the car. Man, somebody stole our car. It was you? Amen. Uh, that's okay. I forgive you. Um, Imagine my surprise when it was, oh, no, it was repoed. Well, it was, why was our car repoed? It was repoed because I was squandering our money, all right? So I, I understand this guy, and I think all of us do. I think all of us understand because I think all of us pretty much in this room that have had an addiction understand what it's like to just squander ridiculously squandered what you have without any thought to what it took to earn it or what it took to get it. It's mine. I got it. I'm going to spend it. And so he squandered his property and reckless living and, ha- and when he had spent everything, right? Anybody been there? You spend all, you're like, right? I'm out. I'm tapped out. It's like, who am I going to call, Right? It's like when you go out and you party hard and you wind up in jail, right? I know all the people that I know because I've talked to them, and they're like, well, I thought about calling you, but I remember all the things you said. Yeah, but I want you to call me. You know, Even though I say, if you go to jail, call me, they rarely do. Somebody will call me and tell me they're there, and I'll go see them, but it's that shame and that guilt and that's what, I don't want people to have that. I, I don't. But this guy, he takes everything and he spends it. And a severe famine, like just, like, right, just imagine, like, you're out doing something you shouldn't be doing, you got to be home in 15 minutes and you run out of gas, <laughs> right? It's like, man, what else can go wrong? So they, so he spends everything, he wastes everything, and then there's a, it says there's a severe famine that arose in the country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country that sent him into the fields to feed his pigs. You know, it's like here we go from maybe having a really good job to living in our car. And then after we lose that, we're, we're down there at the slab waiting for the IHELP bus, Right? It's kind of at the bottom of the line. You know that standing there, when you're standing there across from the Naval Postgraduate School at the slab, right, by the benches waiting, and somebody you know drives by, later on you can't tell them, oh, I was just walking on the bike trail and I sat at the bench for a ride. They know why you're there, right? They know that 
you squandered everything you had. They know that you have no place to go, no place to eat, no place to sleep. And so you're there waiting. And there's a certain shame with that. It's like, I had everything. I had help. I had people who loved me, people that wanted to help me. But I wanted to go do my own thing. I wanted to sow my wild oats, or I wanted to party one last time. I wanted to have fun and be carefree, and so that's what I did. And so to go from somebody being wealthy to now somebody being completely broken without anything, and it's like, well, of course a famine's going to hit the land, right? And it's funny because it's, to me, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the book of Jonah, you know, when Jonah is run, running from the Lord, and he gets on the boat, and he's hiding out, and this, this great storm comes along. He's like, well, of course there's going to be a great storm, because they're going to find me out. And they did, and they threw him out, and, but we know that it ended up having a good outcome, and as we know, this will as well. But sometimes God lets us go through things to train us and to teach us, because sometimes we need that, amen? It's because he loves us that he allows us to go through things and allows us to experience things so that we can understand that that's, that's not what I want. That's not the life that I want, but the beauty and the thing that I'm trying to get at from this whole story is God gave both of those boys free will. They had the choice to stay and serve and work for the father, wait for the father to die, have the inheritance split, and be able to do whatever they want to do. But because God gives us free will, we can choose to take our money and squander it. He's not going to, he's going to put people in your life that are going to say, and I think we all had, has anybody in your life ever said, hey, that's not a good idea? Or maybe you shouldn't do this, or maybe you shouldn't do that. Anybody ever said that to anybody? Anybody ever give you advice that you did not take? Right? Not such a good idea. Right? But the beauty of the scripture and the beauty of Jesus Christ is that we have free will to experience the things that we think that we want to experience. But God has the free will to give us the consequences he thinks we need. You know, I mean, you're trying to get away. You're like, all right, I squandered all my money. Now I'm going to go get a job. No, there's a famine. There's no food, right? Of course there's no food. But much like Jonah, I mean, did his choices bring or cause a famine to fall on the land so that other people were suffering consequences from his choices? Have you ever done that? Has anything you've ever done in your addiction caused pain on anybody else, right? If you, know, if you even know one person, you cause pain on other people, amen? But if you think about it, the average person that decides to be or live in a sin, sinful way, even for a season, affects hundreds of people, hundreds of people. And those hundreds of people indirectly affect thousands of people. So, a good attitude could affect a whole lot of people, and a bad attitude could really affect a lot of people as well. Amen? But the beauty is we have a choice. At any time, we can say, all right, this sucks. No money, feeding pigs, eating pig food. 
but I can at any time stop and turn and say, all right, I'm done. All right, so uh, God, you're running after, running after me? I'm right here. I am not running anymore. I'm here. Let's do this. That's the beauty of Christianity. You can stop at any time and say, Lord, here I am. And the Lord is like, duh, yeah. Because when we turn our back on God and then we say we're going to come back to God, well, there's not much coming back because he's already there, right? He's already there waiting like, all right, okay, are we done? And the shame is when he has to say, are we done again? Oh, are we done again? Oh, oh, we're done again, right? Oh, we're going to do this again? Does that, does anybody, does anybody feel that? Oh, wait, we're going to do this. How many more times are we going to do this? You know, Jesus takes his own advice. You know, it says in Scripture, how many times are we to forgive our brother? It says 70 times 7. That doesn't mean mathematically, that doesn't mean pull out your phone, figure out that and go, well, I'm only going to, you know, Amy, you're my wife. I'm only going to forgive you this many times. So, girl, you're getting close. 27 years, man, you are burning through those forgivenesses. You are running on borrowed time. No, it is not that exact. What it means is you're just going to keep doing it, especially if it's somebody you love, especially if it's somebody you care about, especially if it's somebody you believe that God wants to reach your touch, right? You, you pray for them. You have hope for them. You say, man, I hope this turns bad really fast. You know, I, I have prayed with so many parents on their phone for their sons or daughters to get arrested. And they call me, yay, they got arrested. It's not that they want to see them in jail. It's that they know now that they're, they're, they're warm and dry. They're safe for the most part. You know, I don't want to tell them, yeah, there's as many drugs in jail as there is on the streets. But not any harder to get, sometimes easier to get. But it gives them a sense of they know where they're at. They don't have to wonder where they're at. Um, but we know this father probably was probably worried sick about his son. My son just had a wild hair, took his money, split. I don't know where he's at. And, but the son knows, man, it might have been fun for a minute, but now I'm out of money. I have no friends here. I have no family here. I have no fellowship here. I'm going to go work for a stranger. And now I am willing to eat what pigs are fed. That's hungry, right? You know, I know the first time I grabbed some food out of a dumpster, I was like, oh, man. Right? But we, we, we never think that we're going to go there, Right? We never in fourth grade drew out our life and said, hey, I'm going to be homeless. I'm going to go to a Taco Bell or a K KFC were the best. They were the best. So, yeah. Sorry, Dweener Sitzel. They didn't throw away a whole lot of dogs. But KFC, man, they threw away some serious bags of chicken. So, <laughs> just got to be honest, right? But... But if you go from being up here and then you find yourself eating at a dumpster living in your car, you've kind of missed the mark. You've kind of squandered what you had. But the beauty about Christ is we are free to come back, and we're going to see that um, coming up here. 
And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. So now, now you're like, you're looking at the pigs going, I could take that one. All right. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that pig in a headlock and I'm gonna take his pods, right? Isn't that, I mean, because no, they're not giving him any pods, so he's gonna have to, he's gonna. Has anybody ever seen a pig eat? Right? I raised pigs for a while. Man, wrestling a pig for some food is, is going to be tough, right? It's going to be tough. But when you're hungry, you're going to do anything like you did of a dumpster at a KFC, right? Amen. But when he came to himself and said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? Verse 18, I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and, and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So he's having that thought, right? He's having that thought that so many people that I know have. I had an opportunity, I squandered it, and now I find myself back in custody or back homeless or back living in my car. Now I have to think am I going to reach out to somebody that I knew? And am I willing to like say, yeah, I was, yeah, I was, I was wrong. I messed up. Because that's hard. But that's also a choice. That's also free will. God gives us the ability to be able to do that, to maybe to reach out to somebody and say, you know what? Hey, I need some help. I really messed up. I did this and I did that, and I'm in a really bad spot. Can I get some help? And, uh, but the first thing that we have to realize is that we've made a mistake and we're willing to ask for help. That's hard, isn't it? Because maybe it's the 150th time you've done this. And it's like, I know that nobody wants to hear it. I know that nobody's going to believe me. You know, I pulled the I believe in Jesus card so many times to my family that when I really actually accepted him, I was so excited to share the news with him. You know, I was super excited. Man, I can't wait. I was counting down the hours. Man, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, Michelle and the kids are going to be here in the morning. I'm going to tell them that, man, I met Jesus. And they just rolled their eyes and smirked. Sure, they said. We'll see. That was hard. That was hard because I was, for the first time, I was sincere. I was for real. I was all in. It was no more games. And it was tough. And, but that's what I, that's what I deserved. I didn't deserve any more. And I think now that the son is looking at that going, I deserve nada. All right? But what is he going to get? Um, it says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son and treat me as one of your servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, embraced and kissed the son and said to him, he said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, for I am no longer worthy to be called your son. His father said to his servants, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it and eat. For this is my son was dead, and now he is alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. Um, and they are here to celebrate. And this is a picture of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because he gives us the ability to make good choices, he also gives us the ability 
if we choose or if we desire to make bad choices. But either way, we have the ability to come back. And the story, I think, that you guys have figured out by now, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but I think everybody has figured out that this is a, the, that the son is a picture of us and that the father in this story is a picture of Jesus, you know, because Jesus is so happy when you come back that he is willing to forgive you and overlook the indiscretion of the, of the stupidity and the, the, the wasting of the money, the disrespect of the father, and the living, the frivolous lifestyle. Because all as he is interested in is having a relationship with you, a true and honest and earnest relationship. And sometimes, guys, it takes us going out, sleeping with the pigs, being stupid, going to jail, losing things, to be able to understand what I had was good. You know, maybe I didn't have everything that I wanted, but I, gosh, I certainly had everything I needed, you know? Because what, what, like people when they pray, and I, one of the best advice I give to people is they say, how do I pray? I say, simply, don't pray for nothing. Just say, God, I pray for your will to be done in my life. Because God's already got a list. God already knows what he would like you to do. God already knows what he would want you to do. Um, why didn't he just whisper in your ear and tell you? You want to know why? You would ruin it. You would, you would blow it. If the night I accepted Christ for real, if the Holy Spirit would have came into my hospital room and said, well, Mike, you're going to be ordained. You're going to work at Calvary Monterey. You're going to run a recovery meeting for like 20 years. You're going to open a men's and women's program, and you're going you're to go to the jail and talk to people. I would have screwed it up. Because it wouldn't have been about, it would have been about me. When am I going to open a home? When am I going to start a recovery meeting? When am I? When is everybody going to realize how hard I'm working? You know what I mean? What we have to realize is apart from Christ, we can do nothing. That anything that we do is kind of lame. You know? It is. But when we realize that we are empty without him and we need his Holy Spirit and his guidance, then we can begin to be bold in our faith. I say this all the time. I have expectations. I'm expectant that if I am being diligent and following Christ, diligent in seeking his will and allowing him to use my life, I am expectant that he will bless the work. It's called fruit. You know, that you will begin to bear fruit in your life because you've been pruned pretty harshly sometimes, some of us more than others. But when you are pruned, then you begin, to, you begin to, to develop fruit in your life. Like, gosh, good things are happening for, for that guy, or re- really good things are happening for her. I mean, she got her kids back, she got her charges dropped, she got housing, she got a good job. That's God's blessing. That's fruit, Right? Because God wants to bless us. He wants to reward us for our diligence in, in seeking him and be, being obedient to him. You know, I think with the culture right now, everything has just been so torn down and torn back with just the confusion, the political climate, that what drugs are doing to our communities are just a crying shame. 
You know, that's why every week I get up here and I'm going to talk about, I'm going to say words like revival. Because I believe that it starts, you know, because everybody always says, and I said this last week, well, they should do. Or what if they did that? Or what if, I mean, we, we all heard of what was going on in, in Asbury, right? That somebody simply got up and began to share, and it, I mean, thousands and thousands and so many people started coming, they had to shut it down. How can a little, a little bitty town of 16,000 people take care of 60,000 people a day, flying from, in from all over the world to, to experience the moving of Christ, right? They couldn't, so they like, stop coming. You know, we can't, we can't, I mean, they, I mean, there's not enough bathrooms for that many people, or enough food, or enough groceries, or enough places to sleep. I'm sure the people coming didn't care, I'll sleep on the floor, I'll eat bread. You know, let's do another miracle. Let's get a couple, let's get a couple fish and a couple loaves of bread. You know, let's see that reenacted. You know, one of one of the greatest miracles. Um, but guys, things start with us. It, they do. I mean, what can we do? How can we affect a change on this meeting, on this church, on this community, on this county? We can, we can. You know, I, you know I, I, I met with some of the pastors today and I said, I really wanna do something. And they're like, well, tell us what you wanna do. And so I shared a little bit with them and um, some ideas that I wanna do, that I wanna be able to open the sanctuary up for extended periods of time for prayer and worship and just the moving of the spirit to pray for the addict, the family of the addict, those that have lost, those that are going to be lost, our communities, our government. I mean, so many things that I believe that we as believers should be bold in asking for. Because if we're expecting someone else to do it, then you're just going to be expecting someone else to do it. But I think, it, I think that a significant change needs to happen. And I think that needs to start for me, God is telling me, needs to st- I, then, then, then get off your butt. Then do something. So I, like I shared last week, I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to do something. Everybody said they were in. I'm still depending on you. I'm still counting on you. I'm arranging some of the stuff. You know, if we're going to do 20 to 30 hours of worship, that's going to take some work. So you expect a phone call, right? But I believe that there's going to be a moving of God's spirit here. I do. I fully, 100% honestly believe that. And then when I went to see uh, the Jesus Revolution, I knew it. I mean, I believed it 100%, but then it just put it into, like, spirit. When you could see hundreds of thousands of youths gathered in the street worshiping Jesus, you know, I think we're at that point of desperation in our country that we, we have that kind of desperation again. And I think that the time is right for that kind of movement here in this country. You know, I don't know what we're going to do here in little Monterey, California, Calvary Monterey, but we're going to do something, right? We're going we're gonna to do something, and we're going to pray, and we're going to cry out to God to please help those that are lost in addiction, those that are, those that are dying every day. I've done, I, I don't even know, over 30 or more deaths from overdoses, you know, and I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm sick of it, I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm mad as hell, but 
But that's a good place to start. Anger is a good place to start. Get good and mad and then do something about it, you know? And reach out to those around you. Reach out and love, you know? Be bold, but be loving, you know? Give somebody a hug tonight and tell them you love them, right? That's, that's what it starts with the moving of God's spirit. You know, that's like last week when I asked you guys to come up and recommit, we filled the altar. And I'm going to ask you again tonight during the last song, come up, you know, if you need that infilling of the Holy Spirit, I know I've told this story, but, you know, but I'll tell it again. I mean, the first time I did receive the Holy Spirit, Michelle called an 800 number. <laughs> like, is that how you do it? I mean, you got I was like a couple-day-old Christian. And, she, you know, I came home from the hospital, and she's like, hey, you want to receive the Holy Spirit? I'm like, yeah, so she called this 800 number. And I talked to some phone service in Texas. Really nice lady. She had an accent, super heavy accent, super sweet. Asked me if I wanted to receive the Holy Spirit. I said, yeah. And I, I, I want to tell you that, man, the Spirit just dropped down through the ceiling, and I was jumping around like a chicken or whatever. But no, I didn't. It was like, okay, is this it? But she assured me that I was filled with the Spirit. Like, okay, this is what it feels like. But then a couple weeks later at church, Pastor Bill, Nate's dad, said, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to come forward. And I started walking, and Michelle grabbed my shirt. She said, where are you going? I said, I'm, she said, but you already did it. I said, but it didn't work. You know? But then Pastor Bill wanted to explain at a later time, do it all the time because we are... We're cracked, we leak, right? It says his mercies are new every day. You know why it says that? Because we leak, because we lose it. We, we, we know that Moses, when he went on the mountain, he would come down shining with the glory of the Lord. After a while, he started covering his face because he didn't want to see people to see that it was fading away. Like, man, they're going to know that I'm not that spiritual, well, I'm going to tell you, I am not that spiritual. And I am going to tell you, I need to be filled with the Spirit daily. Right? And so I'm going to encourage you to come up during that last song and, and pray to God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Pray God to give you wisdom. Pray to God to give you encouragement, to give you that, like, that, like, that fight. Like, no, I want, to, I want to do this. I want to, I want to be obedient. You know, I want, to be, I want to be somebody who fears and seeks after God. Pray for that. Recommit. If you've got to come up here every week and recommit, then guess what? Come up here every week and recommit. Is there any shame in that? No, there's not. 